Okay. Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Good to see you all this morning. If you have your uh, Bible, be turning to uh, Acts chapter 16. This morning, we're going to be uh, talking about Swift to Respond. And one of the things that we've kind of noticed in this is we are on Paul's second missionary journey now. You guys took a photo of this before. But at this point, we have seen a, up to this point rather, we have seen a successful but difficult first mission trip. The infiltration of a doctrine that says that Gentiles must be circumcised in order to be saved. A decree from the church in Jerusalem uh, uh, written against that doctrine. And the end of a partnership between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark's uh, weakness in his faith. And then we also see at the top of this is Timothy joining Paul's new entourage, which involves Silas and Luke. And so this has been a very eventful stretch of time uh, in Acts and Acts 15 and 16 in particular. And so now we're kind of getting into this place where we saw where he met Timothy. We see that he was a, an awesome man of God that had a testimony that reached beyond a, a city that was 20 miles from where he was, right? And so Paul comes up and he's like, man, I, I hear about who you are and I'd love for you to join our team. And, and then remember, because he has Jewish uh, uh, lineage through his mother and, and his grandmother, you know, he has them to get circumcised, just really just to uh, increase the effect of his effectiveness in the ministry, uh, not to hold him to any bounds or anything like that, but really just to open up the door of opportunity for him. But now we find ourselves in a different part and these travels kind of keep going. And if you can look at the map there, essentially what you're going to hear us mention is Phrygia, you see that, okay, that's between the pink and the green for those of you whose eyes are like mine. <laughs> and you can see that that would be considered Galatia. Remember we said that this would be modern day Turkey. Uh, and then, okay, you see Asia, that's gonna be mentioned there. Now, what you can't see well, for those of you that are looking, if you look to, let's see, if you're looking at it, keep looking to the left, you see, Samothracia, and keep going over. Well, what you can't see in the corner up there is uh, Macedonia, and uh, this is kind of where this is gonna this is gonna end up. And so, our text this morning is gonna be out of Acts sixteen six through twelve. And so, let's read that, and then we'll get into it. It says. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to uh, uh, Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. 
when it's saying that they're talking about it's a Roman colony. Okay, so this is important just for us to understand that this is a part of Roman territory. It would be interesting or it'd be uh, needful to know that for the latter part of this chapter. And then it says there, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And so really what you kind of see there is just in summary of that is that there is this, we're, we're moving on, right? We've moved on from whatever issues that may have been addressed between Paul and Barnabas. He hasn't felt a particular way about that. Man, he's encouraged by the involvement of Timothy on this missions team. And they're going out and they're doing the work that God has called them to. One of the things that you see in, in verse four and five is they're also making sure that that decree gets out to those Jewish individuals or to those individuals, those Gentiles, that essentially, hey, listen, you don't have to be um, handcuffed to this whole idea of circumcision for salvation, right? And so he's encouraging these other churches. So if you think about Paul's mindset during this time and why this is such an important part and why we need to really look at it is, does Paul have a heart for people? whether they are Jewish or Gentile? We know the answer is yes. And so we kind of need to look at really his character in terms of why this potentially could be difficult and why potentially this could be difficult for us. If we look at something that really just highlights who Paul is, it is very simple, but in Romans 15, 15, uh, 15 and 16, it says this, nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. This is a God that has been impacted greatly by what has happened to him. We know, we remember, we saw he was in one direction and the Lord turned him 180 and said, man, why kick you against the pricks? This guy is grateful to no end, to the end that it is, had the greatest impact on his life. Everything that he does, everything that he thinks, the way that he feels about the ministry is because of that decision with Jesus Christ. There's something you have to take away from that. This guy has a character of gratitude, and so, of course, he has a heart for everybody else. His heart absolutely is, I want everybody to have what it is that I have. I understand the freedom that I now possess. So you don't think that when the spirit is saying, hey, don't go to this area and don't go to that area, that's not potentially challenging. Now, I love that the Bible on purpose writes that there's no argument. And two times the spirit says, don't go somewhere. We have to understand his character this gratitude that exists there. The other thing that I want you to understand, he understands the work. It says in verse 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. He knows that the gospel is for everybody. There's not anybody that shouldn't receive that, right? So this is a difficult thing in ministry for us that we, sometimes it's kind of hard to see. It's like when the Lord says no, and it's good. It has good intentions. Maybe there's some, you want to go and you want to be in, in, in some other city. You want to move to Dallas. I just said that because they don't have anybody there. But 
You want to move to Dallas. You want to move to Boston. You want to move to Tampa. And what if God said no? What would you do? You have a heart for the gospel? You have a heart for, man, the gratitude? You want to share the, all of that gratitude? You want, to, you want people to just see like, man, listen, discipleship, you need that. You got to have that. You, we got to start Bible study. We got to do. And the Lord says, that's great. No, not for you. What do you do with that? There was a time in my life, personally, one of the mission trips that I went on that uh, I loved it so much. I thought, man, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the place that I, that I need to go. Serena and I, we were together and we, we were there and we were enjoying ourselves. We love the food. We love the culture. We love the people. It's like, this is a perfect match. I could do this. <laughs> Am I there? <laughs> no, I'm right here. See, I, I think that there are two major characters that you have to pay attention to. It is good for Paul to have the gratitude that he has. It's good for him to, to be just overjoyed with the fact that God saved him, a sinner, destined for hell. And, and then on top of that, he gave him the keys to the ministry and said, hey, son, tell the people. Tell the people about what I did for you. Oh, man. Paul's like, yes, I'm a, I will run through a wall, Jesus. But the other character in this is the Holy Spirit. And the thing I think that must be paid attention to, if we're going to look at Paul and not put him on a statue, but just pay attention to how this dude operates. This individual, with all that graciousness, is also sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He absolutely wants that prize that comes from being led directly to where the Holy Spirit would have him be. Because guys, there's a prize for that. I don't want to recklessly or accidentally end up anywhere. I want my steps to be ordered by the Lord himself. Is that a desire of your heart this morning? You can randomly just spray out goodness, or you can actually go and be specific to the areas that the Lord is saying, hey, do this. Hey, get equipped. Hey, go visit here. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, as a person that has had to do that in my own life, I don't regret that the Lord did, said no to that mission field location. Because I, I would never be with y'all. I wouldn't have the opportunity that I have now in you guys' lives. You see what I'm saying? So who is this, this Holy Spirit? And obviously this is not exhaustive, but these are just some things that I believe are important to understand. And uh, you, you guys all know these, you can look these up, but the Spirit's character is this. Jesus himself said, he's a comforter and a teacher. Listen, have you taken comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit when the Lord says no to something good? Because there's comfort there. There's absolutely comfort there. I don't want to be anywhere that God doesn't want, excuse me, want me to be. Do you allow the spirit to then be your teacher? He said he would teach you all things. 
See, Paul understands this. This is why his gratitude and understanding what the ministry is doesn't override what the spirit is. He has that because he has the spirit. You see what I'm saying? I can't all of a sudden think that my goodness now outweighs the very thing that the Lord gave me in order to do the work that he's called me to. It's the spirit of truth. So if this says no, it has details I may not have, and I should trust that. Because it's true. It testifies of Jesus. It doesn't have its own agenda. It has an agenda that makes sure that Jesus is Lord. See, I, man, this is why following the Spirit is critical. The last thing here, actually, I have one more that I just added to it. In 16.7, it just says he was sent to us. Listen, the Lord's not here and he left behind his spirit. Not so it can be a, uh, accompanying us as we go our way, but so that it can lead us. It should be in charge. So that means I have to do something with my flesh in light of the Spirit's leading, surrender. That's critical. And something else, last thing, my apologies for not including that, Acts 1-8, can't forget that because the Lord said it's the power. It's the power of God. Paul knows this. Paul knows this. See, this is why we must obey, no questions asked. At the time, I remember there was kind of a lot of, it was pretty easy for me once I realized, because I think after I, we kind of talked about this, Serena and I kind of talked about that, and we had talked to the pastor and there, and, and just, he was like, yeah, and I hadn't, I kind of mentioned it to the pastors here, and, and of course, you know, they were just, <laughs> I love how those guys are. They just quietly consider, right? They just, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> It's not a no, it's not a rejection, but what they're doing automatically, these guys, if you start talking like that, they're praying immediately. I'm just telling you, this is how this works, right? And so what happened was Faith Fellowship came on probably, I don't know, maybe a year or so later. And, the Lord, and then I was like, aha, I got you, Lord. <laughs> it was very clear to me. And people would ask me, even after Faith Fellowship had started, well, what about the, are you going to go? I'm like, no, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm the leader of Faith Fellowship. Like, no, I'm not. No, <laughs> I'm here. See, the, the Lord in that scenario, it was really just to get my, my eyes open. I wanted to function in a particular way in the ministry. I wanted more of what it was that was in front of me. See, oftentimes, I, I, I don't want you guys to miss this. Listen, anything potentially that is good and that is a part of the will of God could have your name on it, but it also could have a question mark on it because it's up to you to go after it. And then what the Lord will do is start directing your path in order to make sure you get the thing that is designated for you. See, that's how you kind of have to look at it. Man, everything, I don't, 
at this point and stage of my life, it's not for me to be who Sam is in this church. It's for me to be shepherd of faith fellowship. And I am content. And I love that. You see what I'm saying? I'm not missing out. I don't look at his job and pine and like, oh, man, no. Be where your feet are at. Be where your feet are at. See, listen, just as a, there's a cause to that. You obey the, the, the command. The effect of that is, listen, is peace, is purpose, and there's prize. When you, when you listen to the Holy Spirit, there's a, there's, the cause is I obey the command. The effect out of that should be peace, purpose, and prize. That's what I want. So that's just the setup, just to lay the, the, the foundation of those two characters. Yes, you have a grateful man. You have a man that is thankful to be a part of the ministry. But what you have is a spirit that is truth and power and a comforter and a teacher. And he will yield to that every time. I love it. I love that example. This potentially could not be easy. And so let's get into the text here. Back in six and seven, it just says, again, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And listen, just categorically in my head, this is that responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. This leads us to our first key point. Our first key point being this. It is good to have godly desires, but it's better to have the leading of the Holy Spirit. You can have goodly, godly desires. There is nothing wrong with that. That is coming from absolutely a good place. But listen, just because it's a, it's a good desire in my heart, if the, lead, if the Spirit's not leading me in that direction, <laughs> abort, abandon ship. Here's why. Don't miss this. In 2 Corinthians 6, 79, it says, Now I was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, for as much as it was in thy heart to build a house for my name, thou didst well in that it was in thy heart. Notwithstanding, thou shalt not build the house. It's like, man, I love that. Oh, it's in your heart. Yep, great. Yeah, you ain't building it. <laughs> you know? I mean, and listen, that is, is better. It's one of those things that just can mess you up. And, you, and again, you're just like, I don't, man, I don't know what to do with that. I'm, listen, I'm telling you what to do with it. Yield. Just yield. We heard last week uh, in, in Psalm 119, 105, none. And, and it's worth mentioning again. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you want to know where to go, man, keep, stay in the word. Don't let your desires overweigh what the word of God says. And let me add to that. You are in a church that has pastors that very much want to know the ins and outs and the hearts and desires that you have. So when we are, 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 are those of us that are the leadership team kind of are talking to you or encouraging you, man, we, we want to be a part of that decision process. The Lord has allowed us, those of us that are kind of functioning that way, a particular space that Man, he's going to tune us in. We know you. 
If listen, if the answer right now is wait, you better wait. If the answer is get equipped, you better get equipped. I'm listen, it is as if God Himself is speaking in them situations. I have found of, of, of those that all the men that have mentored me in my life, it is, I'm just, it's like, I, I, Lord, I hear you. Okay, yep, you're right. I don't care whether you like it or not, just yield to it. It's better for you. It's better for you. Do those men, Bible study leaders, ladies, you get to fall in that gap. The mothers in this class that I know that we have in this class, when you are giving out wisdom like that and you're trying to help somebody, hey, just consider all of these things. If what they're saying is thus saith the word of God, you can back it up with scripture. It, it's a light. It's a light. Man, listen, we want to be a people that is yielding, not always in opposition of what the spirit is doing. You never want to force your way into something God doesn't have for you. You never want to do that. Listen, he is the door opener. Don't put your foot in the door before it closes real quick and then try to. <clears throat> and you know where I see that the most is actually in relationships. People tend to do that. Listen, okay, I don't have many. I'm trying to look. There ain't a lot of single folks in here anymore. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We have a, a, a fruitful, you know, church of, of people who are married with beautiful kids and all. We love all that. But for those of you that are single, listen to me. Do not force your way into a relationship the Lord is not leading you into. Because you can talk yourself into anything. You remember what your flesh is capable of? Don't forget. Just because now you have the spirit doesn't mean that your flesh all of a sudden is like, I'm cool with that. This is great. Yes, yes, yield all the time. No. Your flesh is like, let's war, drawing a line in the sand, got the face mask on, like, it's ready to do battle. Listen to this. This, this is one of those sad, just sad stories in the Bible. It's, it's when um, the spies go and they look at the land. And remember, you guys all know, Joshua and Caleb, these guys are just, I mean, grizzled dudes. Man, they should, we, we should have just books. Just Oh, there is. It's called Joshua. <laughs> you should read that. It's a great book on leadership and, and just victory. It's, it's fantastic. But here's a, a kind of a dark moment here. And uh, basically, the spies go over, and they speak ill of the land that the Lord has promised them. Because that's the other thing now. Just because you yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That's the other part of this. Sometimes we think, well, what's the easier path? No, that's the wrong. Nope, that's not how we should think about this. If the Lord says it's mine and go get it, if I go get it, whether it's easy or not, it's just a guarantee he's with me. Now I know I'm assured victory. Look at this situation. Numbers 14, 39 through 42. And Moses told these things unto the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. 
Because now the Lord finally spoke after he had to listen to all of this ugliness about the land and the giants and, oh, we're going to get, you know, destroyed and all of those things. And the Lord had spoken and said, okay, so this is what's going to happen. You won't make it. And we're going to walk around this big property until this generation is dead and your kids will get in there. Well, that's not good news. <laughs> so the people mourn greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and got them up in the top of the mountain saying, Lo, we be here. We'll go up into the place which the Lord had promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, uh-uh now, no. <laughs> Wherefore, now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you that, you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. And you guys know how Exodus plays out. It is a long, sad story of gradual loss of an entire generation. The oldest cats that made it into the promised land are Joshua and Caleb. Sad. When you don't yield to the spirit, it has lasting impact in your life. Do not play around with this. Paul understands that fully. If the Lord says, hey, don't go up a little further north, don't go. He didn't need a reason. He didn't need a well, Lord, you got to explain it to me. No, listen, just trust that the Lord knows the details that you don't need to know. If the Lord says no, he says no. You say, okay. Actually, say, thank you, Lord, because you gave me a clear answer. This leads us to our next verse. Let's look at. 8 9 here, and it says, And by passing by Amijah, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Something else that is kind of a critical to this, just in terms of a, a, an, an idea, is this response to the need of others. But here's our, our key point that you have to understand you are not the center of the story. See, sometimes where you don't yield is because. You think you are in control of how this goes. So now, again, here's where my desire overweighs the spirit's leading. Why? Because I'm in control. No, you're not. I love you, but I got to tell you, you ain't in, in control of nothing. And be okay with that. That he didn't question, well, Lord, what about those in Bithynia? What about those in Asia? See, sometimes all of that questioning and, and what that does, you know, a lot of times when we have these questioning moments in our lives, we just become stagnant. We don't move anywhere. We just stuck. The spirit's leading. The spirit is giving you clear direction on what the next move is. But because you feel like the spirit or the Lord, let's just call it who it is, that God owes you an answer. Lord, help us. You kind of thumb your nose at the Lord by doing nothing. Guilty, I've been there. That's why I can describe it so in such detail. I know what it's like. In little ways, little wickedness. And you're just like, I ain't doing it. Wow. <laughs> That's, come on. Listen, you're not the center of the story and you can be okay with that. Here's why. Because the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his work. 
you don't deserve an answer. That's the answer. For me, looking at that verse, it just, it's a slap across the lips. <laughs> because anytime you just think like, well, maybe I got to, but Lord, this should happen. This needs to happen. I want this. And the Lord's like, no. Can we just trust simply what the scripture says? The Lord is righteous in all his ways. Do we trust that? Something else of note here in Ephesians 1.19, it says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Do you notice how that started? Of his power toward us who believe. Listen, there is preferential treatment of those of his children. Why do sometimes when dad says no to something, now we, we get a little rebellious, we get in our feelings, we get stagnant. Listen, he didn't have to have any power towards you. He could have just said, well, sorry, guys, ashes. That's what you're going to be at the end of your lives. No, man, listen. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I just put that in there to remind you who's in charge. <laughs> you need to know you under. Be under. Don't try to slide out from underneath his foot. Be under. That's a safe spot for you. For some, it will be crushing, but for you to be under him, man, that means that essentially any dialogue between you and God is filtered by Jesus Christ. It don't melt your head when you get it, right? It's not like in Indiana Jones. I love that scene. They opened the <laughs> Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> the one guy's eyes roll out of his head. It's so funny. Uh, <laughs> It's not funny, but it is kind of funny. Um, so listen, it's just, it's the thing that knowing that I'm not at the center of the story, that there is a boss, there is someone that's in charge, I can yield to that. And sometimes, let's just face it, y'all, we have to be reminded of that. We call on the name of the Lord, we make our prayers, we do our devotions, but sometimes we forget who is Lord. Sometimes, I mean, I'm just... I'm, it's just the honest reality of our lives. Sometimes we make choices, we say things, we do things, we act a particular way. We have a heart attitude that says, I have no Lord. That's just the reality of the situation. You have a Lord. And so, transitioning. There's another part to this that you have to understand. Being that you're not a part of the center of the story, the Lord made it about you on the cross. That was enough. <laughs> After that, he's like, now it's about you doing what I want you to do. Amen. Can we say amen and thank you, Lord, for that? Right? So here's this, Romans 10, 14. When we think about that man of Macedonia, you know, some of the writing that I, that I read between Larkin or Greg Axe or just some, you know, some of the different uh, uh, study materials kind of mentions that 
it's not so you know that there are these uh, uh, potentially we kind of see this in the Old Testament that there are angels that kind of have particular governance over like Persia the prince of Persia uh, you know there's the one of the seven churches right and then it's speaking straight to those angels and so in this is interesting. It says a man from Macedonia, not an angel. It's not like something really holy or like the angel of the Lord. It's, it's a man from Macedonia. It's a regular Joe that, this, that the Lord is allowing this vision in order for him to see that. Why, why is that? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I mean, you know, maybe Pastor James knows, but but it, it would seem to me just in thinking about who the, the character of Paul is, that man, that, that speaks to his heart. This guy can see people in a particular way. Remember when he's around those Athenians and he's like, you know, they got that, that statue that says to the unknown God. And he's like, no, <laughs> I know who the known God is. We got to have a sermon right now. Gather around. Let me, let me clue you in. Why? Because the dude is sensitive. Is as, 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 um, Abrasive as I do think that he is in personality, I think that he is also very sensitive that he wants people to have what he has. And so it speaks to this something that, well, we would, we would know it very well. In Romans 10, 14, it says this, how then shall they call on him who have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. This I wholeheartedly believe that's his heart. And he sees a vision that's so clear of what the next step is. And he's seeing this man, regular dude, Macedonian, come. Come to us. It's saying something that there is a need. Perhaps that's what it is. Perhaps the Lord has wanted him to go there because of the fruit of that. Right? These people have primed hearts, ready to go. And now come. So now I ask you, is there anybody that you know that has the same heart attitude? Perhaps you invited them this week. They're going to come. They're going to meet you down in the lobby after, after service today and up here. Or they're going to come later, candlelight. Maybe there's somebody in the family, but do you have somebody that, man, they say all the, they say the things that they're just spiritually sensitive in a way, but they don't, they don't know who the Lord is. What is your response to those individuals? Do you see people in that same way? It's super easy in the suburbs. We have a real bad habit of, man, you know, the, the garage is basically like the gateway to if you can't catch me before I get out of my car and into my garage, see ya. You won't see me till tomorrow, <laughs> right? But man, it can't really be like that. Excuse me. It can't really be like that. Do I, do I have a, a heart in me that just says, Lord, help me to have eyes to see the need in people for the gospel. And that I'm not worried about whether I have an on-ramp or I don't have an on-ramp or whatever, but that I'm just... I want to share the gospel. Why? Because I'm grateful that I have it. And I'm not over the gratefulness. You see what I mean? It's a different driver. It's not just so that you can come back to church and tell somebody that you shared the gospel. Like it's notches on a wall. Who cares? What's the heart? 
Paul's heart is proven. <clears throat> Excuse me, I just turned 17, I guess. <clears throat> so <laughs> Paul's heart is proven. So notice the response that this cat has of a man, he's, he lays down, goes to sleep, the Lord shows his vision. Notice the response. Verse 10, and after he has seen the vision, immediately, <laughs> immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosened from Troy as we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city, that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And so just in the categorically respond to the call of the work. Listen, here's our, our, our third key point. When you obey, let your heart reveal your intentions. When it's time to obey, and what do I mean by that? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Do you do anything Now you got to ask yourself, don't raise your hand, as Sam would sometimes say. Most times Pops is asking us to raise our hand. Sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> I'm not, I don't answer visibly. But are there some times that you do things grudgingly? You showed up to Bible study grudgingly. You showed up to discipleship grudgingly. You showed up to LFBI. You showed up to church today grudgingly. Are there some things that the Holy Spirit has led you to do? Some divine appointments you got to make. And you said, I, I'm a go, but I don't want to. <laughs> you know, you slam the door hard. And then the slightest little bit of trouble you have getting in, maybe you kind of trip over the curve or something. See, I should have stayed home, you know. <laughs> That's just how it is. The devil knows that. Because, listen, the worst kind of Christians are the Christians that are stagnant on the bench doing nothing. Those are the worst. They call upon the name of the Lord. They have him. He is theirs. And yet there is no purpose in their life. They are miserable. They don't speak of him. Listen, this is why having the right heart attitude is critical. Don't tip God by doing what's right, but your heart is not in it. Because that's the thing that he looks at is the heart. I love your response, Paul. Paul is swift to respond here. And so let's look at some of these verses. 119.60, I made hasten, delayed not to keep thy commandments. What is the reason for your hastiness? Is it, are you quick to respond in obedience? Or are you quick to respond and snap somebody's head off? That's an easier response. To just let everybody know, you know, what you what you think about them, right? That's really easy. But now, it's different when you respond with the right heart. It's totally different when you have the right heart attitude and you show up. Listen, there are times that you have shared the gospel. And you were so in tune, people did not hear the script that you may have kind of given. They heard your heart, that you actually care for them. Hey, guys, let's remember, too, when we're sharing the gospel, they should know we care for them. 
Again, it's, I care about you. That's why I'm telling you this. The Lord loves you. That's why I'm telling you this. It matters. Proverbs 3.27 says, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again and tomorrow I will give when thou hast, hast it by thee. It's like if you have the thing that they need, what? Don't delay. Listen, one of the things that you guys really bless me in this class is, is when we have challenges or trouble as a class and some of you follow on hard times or maybe your money ain't right for the, you know, whatever you need, food or whatever. This class jumps to action. I love that. That is absolutely my heart. I learned that from my grandmother. That's how she was. If, if she was eating, you were going to eat too. My, my friends in high school, God gave me guys. We were just as lost as all get out. But man, these guys, I never, if, if I remember one of my buddies saying, he's like, hey, Dell, let's go to so-and-so. I'm like, man, I don't have any money. He's like, did I ask you that? Let's just go here. So as a teenager, so there's grandma's foundation, then as a teenager, and I just can't, I just keep that heart of generosity. Man, whatever is yours, God gave it to you. Share it. Your faith as well. Maybe your resources. Maybe a place. Somebody got to stay at a place for a night. Be wise. Seek counsel. <laughs> you know, be like, I don't know. No, guys, you will not be staying with the ladies. <laughs> okay? That's, no, we're not doing that. But, let, I mean, be wise. Sometimes somebody need a, a, a couch for a night. Because maybe your house is the only space of rest and peace that they will have. Man, if you just look at your, the things that you have and you have a heart attitude, God will give you opportunity to use your stuff for his glory. Because it's his stuff, right? Don't be stingy with the things that God has blessed you with, including your faith. Don't be stingy. And lastly, 1 John 5, 3. But this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. This call, this command, this direction, this leading of the Holy Spirit for Paul, these no's and then the yes, go to Macedonia. This is, none of this is grievous for him. Remember, this is comfort. This is peace. This is purpose. And there's a prize. And the prize is the book of Philippians. And how, they and how they took care of him. And in the last chapter, you see that. They end up being the only church, he said, when he was going through his travels that ministered to him. Perhaps the Lord had an ulterior motive to make sure that his son, Paul, if you would just submit, I will get you squared away. Make sure they get the gospel. Disciple them. Encourage them. You don't know all the details. Don't already have your lips fashioned for no. Man, say yes. But when the spirit says no, then say okay. Lord, I trust you. I trust that you have uh, my best interests at heart. I know that already. What you did on the cross, that proved it. And so look, here, here just, I, I just wanted to have a slide that had those. Man, it's good for you to have godly desires. But it's better to have the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're not the center of the story. 
The Lord made it about you on the cross, and now it's about others. And when you obey, let your heart reveal your intentions. Be cheerful. Work on that. Don't do any of the things that God is allowing you to do in this with an attitude. Man, really watch that. And take note from Paul and his team that are going to go and they, and they will have great reward as a result of their going. And so listen, in conclusion, the biblical response is a quick and cheerful response. That's the biblical response. Quick, cheerful. That's how you do it. You've already weighed the character of who the, who the spirit is. Do not think that your character somehow outweighs who the spirit is. Be led, yield, submit. I'm, I promise you it will work out for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you uh, just for the message that you gave me, Lord, to even just to ponder and consider. And Lord, I pray that for, for myself and, and here for this flock, Lord, that we would uh, all be just consider. Lord, what is our response time like? Do we have a hard time getting right with you? Do we have a hard time obeying you? Do we have a hard time just listening and agreeing with you when you say no? Lord, help us. Help us to be faithful. Help us to remember that you are Lord. That, Lord, you, you have qualified your position. Lord, help us to just see that uh, properly. Lord, let us be content in the spaces that we're in. Lord, when you are ready to exalt us or move us through a valley and we're at the end of it, Lord, it, we will be grateful for that moment. But until then, Lord, I pray, be with us. Lord, I pray that there is nothing that we are doing in this class as a class that is apart from you, but that, Lord, that you would be with us in all of our endeavors because they are being led by the Spirit. Father, thank you just for what you're doing in the lives of, of the people of this class. Lord, continue, please, to just do a work. Oh, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.